story about Solomon's discernment is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. I love reading that story and uh, thinking through the, the situation as described in 1 Kings. Another story of unusual discernment is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. And in that story, Jesus was asked if we should pay taxes. You remember that story? And trying to trick Jesus, trying to catch him in what he said. And in his profound discernment, he asked to see a coin. And he said, whose likeness is on the coin? You remember? And uh, they said, well, it's Caesar's. And he, in his wisdom, said, well, then render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Another demonstration of profound discernment. He caught them in their malice with one simple answer. We all face situations every day that require godly discernment. Getting up and getting here required some form of discernment uh, in your life. Whether it's parenting, growing a marriage, or making financial decisions, work-related decisions, all sorts of things that we, we run into, we could use larger doses of discernment, wouldn't you think? I know that I could. What is your discernment quotient, if there is such a thing? Are you able to, to discern between good, better, and best? How is your discernment? If you'll recall, last week I covered the theme of the ninth stanza, the tenth stanza of Psalm 119. And of course the theme is, if you remember, the goodness of God. Uh, he begins, the author that is, begins the stanza with a statement about God's goodness and his faithfulness in dealings with his people. And then he gave five different evidences of God's goodness. And so today what I want to do is I want to zero in to the evidence of God's goodness in verse 66. So if you look in your Bibles at Psalm 119, verse 66, we're going to spend the entire time on this verse. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. So we're going to focus in on good judgment and knowledge because God is good and the benefit of discernment is waiting for anyone who will seek it out, mine it out in the word of God. The author simply asks a question of God, like, kind of like Solomon. I would like wisdom. I would like discernment. And so I've renamed these terms, good, um, good judgment and knowledge, to be discernment or a sound mind as it is in your notes. Because I think this is what's in view. A discerning heart, a discerning mind. Someone with a soundness of thinking. As you know, no one is born with good judgment and knowledge. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, unfortunately, these things are learned. In order to become a knowledgeable, discerning person, you're required to put in a little time, a little effort of your own, and grow in these areas of discernment that's necessary for Christian living. So if you never pursue knowledge, you'll never gain it. If you never apply or practice the application of your knowledge, then you'll never grow in discernment. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul called the growth in knowledge and discernment renewing of the mind. Listen to what he says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Part of the application of the gospel to every Christian is growing in discernment, is renewing the mind. This is what 
Paul tells us not only in Romans 12, 2, but in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. He says, we are, it is the will of God that you be conformed to the image of Jesus. Remember that verse? So we are to be conformed to his discernment. The discernment I mentioned in Matthew 22 is something that God creates in us as we follow him in obedience. Now in verse 66 of Psalm 119, he's speaking about a sound mind, about discerning heart, but he divides it into two categories or these that you see, good judgment and knowledge. As it relates to knowledge, we see this in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And do you remember what we discovered uh, this means, the idea of the fear of God? It's not a servile fear, right? It's not fearing that he's going to stomp on you if you take a wrong step. It's a filial fear. It's a fear of displeasing him. It's a, a fear that, that you might disobey. It's a fear that you might not fulfill everything that he would have for you. Notice also that the fear of the Lord, even in Psalm 119, is a synonym for the word of God. So back to Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord, this could be a filial fear of God, and the word of God itself is the beginning of knowledge. Do you want knowledge? Where are you going to go? Right, the fear of the Lord, the word of God. But then the second category is good judgment in verse 66. He says, teach me good judgment and knowledge. The word judgment in this verse literally means taste. Taste. Yes, so the author is asking for good taste on important things. The same word is translated differently in Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That word taste is translated judgment in Psalm 119, verse 66. So he's asking for a refining of his tastes on important issues. Job 34, 3. For the, for the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. We do this, right? Someone says, hey, you need to try this. And so you try this particular food and you think about it and you wonder what's in it and you determine whether or not you like it. In the same way, we ought to be discerning on what enters our ears. Is this good? Is this not good? So good judgment, discernment in the Christian life is something indispensable. William Gurnall, a Puritan who wrote The Christian in Complete Armor, says the following, The eye directs the foot. A man cannot walk safely unless he can see where he is going. Nor can he walk when the earth quakes under his feet. The principles we have in our understanding are the ground, of our, the ground our behavior moves upon. If they shift, our actions will stagger also. It is as important possible for a shaking hand to write a straight line as it is for a faltering judgment to exhibit acceptable behavior. So why is godly discernment so important for us who believe in Christ? One critical reason is because our discernment directly influences our behavior. Our discernment directly influences our behavior. Knowledge is the understanding of truth, right? Isn't that what knowledge is? It's taking in truth. But good judgment or discernment is the practical application of that truth. So good judgment applies knowledge to everyday life. Godly discernment flows out of biblical knowledge and results in God-honoring behavior. What we're saying is that good biblical knowledge and good biblical discernment 
make up a sound mind. You cannot have one without the other. The Apostle Paul gave us a description of this kind of mind, this kind of maturity, in Titus chapter 2. He says, Older men are to be sober minded. That's sound minded, dignified, self control, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. So, this is simply a description of a mature believer. Is this a description of you and me? This is what we're pursuing. This is what the author of Psalm 119, verse 66 is praying for, this kind of discernment. So if I could summarize where I'm going this morning for you, it would be this. I hope to show you the importance of a sound mind, to show you where you can get it, and then convince you of your need to pursue it aggressively. That's where I'm going, in case you're wondering. To show you the importance of a sound mind, show you where you can get it, and then show you or convince you of your need to pursue it aggressively. So let's look at this together. Let me read the verse for you again, and then we'll cut it up and, and see what it tastes like. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. First thing I want to make a note of is this, that the obligation of a sound mind we have an obligation as believers to pursue a sound mind, discernment. Why do Christians have this obligation? Well, there's two reasons, and then I'm going to, uh, this will lead me into three points. But the first two reasons I want you to hear about, the, the reason we are obligated as Christians to pursue a sound mind is that it seemed to be important to the Apostle Paul who wrote over half the New Testament under the direction and influence of the Holy Spirit he said that pursuing a sound mind is important, and so it's important. All right, listen, listen to how he said it to the Philippian church. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And then he said something very, very similar to the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 again. And so... From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's asking for a sound mind. He's praying that the Colossians would have a sound mind. Why? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So it's important to you and I that we pursue a sound mind, discernment, we're obligated to do this as Christians, first of all, because the Apostle Paul thought it was critically important. And since he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we ought to think the same thing. Secondly, exercising discernment and sound thinking brings praise to God. Do you remember the Israelites' response to the demonstration of godly wisdom in Solomon? What happened? It says they were in awe, comma, and gave praise to God. You remember hearing that here a couple minutes ago in 1 Kings? That's how the chapter ended. How about when Jesus displayed his profound discernment? Same thing is said. They were in awe and gave praise to God. So the reasons we are obligated as Christians, Christ followers, Christ ones, is because the Apostle Paul, the foremost author of the New Testament, said so. And it brings glory to God when we do so. 
Now, why do we pursue this besides the reasons I gave you? First is this, to distinguish. To, on a practical level, why do we pursue this type of living? Why do we pursue discernment? Why are we obligated to pursue discernment? Is to distinguish. And what this simply means is to judge rightly between two things. This is something important for the Christian, isn't it? To discern between two things, whether it's good or bad, whether it's truth or error, even between good, better, and best, this is what we're faced with continually. Let me give you some areas that this may be important. What is necessary in raising your children? Have you thought through a gospel-centered response to a child that's struggling with lying? How would you instruct them? Do you have the biblical discernment to help your children make good friends to navigate the teenage years? How about this? What's important or unimportant in any relationship? What do you focus on in developing good friendships? Biblical discernment will tell you, will guide you. What could you be doing versus what must you be doing at work, in your home, in your small group? What could you be doing versus what must you be doing? The answer to these questions comes through discernment or by way of discernment. You see, the Apostle Paul was faced with many different situations and needed godly discernment to rightly lead churches he planted. This, is one, this was not something he could do of his own interests, of his own intellect. He needed godly wisdom. He couldn't afford to go down a path that was wrong or send others down that path. He needed to have God's mind on many different issues. Listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. He had the, the, the discernment to tell the difference. All things are lawful, but all, 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 not everything is helpful. He could tell the difference. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So the Apostle Paul needed discernment as he pastored and administered multiple churches. And he demonstrated discernment as he helped people through the maze of worldliness, Gnosticism, spiritual apathy. As their shepherd, he had the discernment to guide them down these paths. It's so important to be able to discern between things that will draw your hearts away from Christ versus those things that will draw your heart to him. Can you tell the difference when you first encounter something that this may lead me away from Christ? I ought not do this or go there. Does that happen in your brain? You see, the world offers us things all the time in golden cups while they are filled with poison for our souls. Biblical discernment helps us recognize and taste the poison immediately and spit it out before swallowing. So it helps us distinguish this obligation to pursue biblical discernment is important that, so that we might distinguish. Also, to determine. Biblical discernment grants determination and resolve to follow God's direction and do what is best. This is, this is what 
Biblical discernment includes a motivation, a drive, a commitment to, a determination to do what is right. Why do you think people exercise? You might say because they're insane, right? No, why do people exercise? Because they've taken in some form of knowledge that motivates them to exercise. They've heard that if you exercise, you will feel like this. If you don't exercise, you will feel and look like that. And so what do they do? They are motivated by their knowledge to act. They gain resolve to get up and go to the gym. That's what they do because of discernment. So once you have distinguished the best path, a sound mind will help you commit yourself to it. So biblical discernment includes the ability to distinguish and to resolve, to determine, to do something. Listen to this, Psalm 39. I said, I will guard my ways. I will not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle if necessary. I will do this. That's biblical discernment. It not only is, includes knowledge, but the determination to act. Just because you have knowledge and, and know what is best doesn't mean that you'll choose it. Biblical, God-initiated discernment goes one step beyond knowledge to being resolved to do what is best. We face an infinite variety of circumstances, um, and it requires us to develop and pursue godly discernment. And this godly discernment gives us the ability to follow through. Next thing I want to note, you to note is that it also includes the idea of direction. To direct. Discernment, of course, is necessary to help us direct our lives. Left to our old nature, that is that nature that you were born with, how do you think things will go? Right? The wrong direction, right? If we're left to our old nature. Uh, we'll go astray with very little prompting. But biblical discernment gives us the knowledge to distinguish, the will to determine, and the clarity to direct our lives. Listen to that. Biblical discernment gives us the knowledge to distinguish between good, better, and best, the will to determine to do it, and then the clarity to direct our lives. That's what biblical discernment will do. That's what a sound mind will do for us. So when you possess this sound mind, you're not only wise in the principles, but you're also wise in the particulars. Not only can you see the big picture, you can navigate the details. Those are two different things. Seeing the big picture is wonderful and important, but if you can't navigate the details, seeing the big picture isn't all that helpful. But a sound mind is a gift from God that helps us navigate those details. Listen to how Hosea describes this in Hosea 14.9. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble. You see, a sound mind, godly discernment, gives you what is necessary to distinguish and follow through. To distinguish 
to determine and then to follow through. This is the obligation of every believer. How about the origination of a sound mind? Where's it come from? You've heard it said already multiple times this morning, but let me just say it again. Where can you get one? You, you can't just go to Amazon and order yourself a sound mind. No. Look what, the, look what the verse says. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. This statement, the second half of verse 66, not only shows humility, trust, and dependence on God, but it demonstrates the source of discernment as being only found in God and his word. You might ask, well, aren't there wise individuals in the world that don't know Jesus? My answer would be yes. But their wisdom is limited to the mundane and temporal. They have no spiritual insight. As much as they may know about whatever the subject matter might be, they have no spiritual insight. You see, the issues of the heart are not predominantly psychological. This is why I believe that any counseling you receive must come from one whose understanding goes beyond psychological training and into the more significant, the understanding of our relationship with God. The solutions to your life are grounded on the condition of your heart before God. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of, of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. You see, in our natural self, we don't have the ability to access godly discernment. We might have worldly discernment, and that might be of some value, but when it comes to the nitty-gritty, when it comes to navigating the important details, you need the Spirit of God directing you through the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying that secular counselors are bad or wrong. Don't misunderstand me. I'm simply saying that their solutions are incomplete. The kind of discernment and sound mind that the psalmist desires is found in God and his word. So now let's look at the application here of a sound mind. We've seen the obligation. We've seen the origination. Now let's look at the application of a sound mind. And to do this, we're going to stay right within chapter 119 of Psalms. So I want you to turn back to the first stanza with me, if you would. Psalm 119, starting at verse 7. Let's just stay here in Psalm 119 and see what a sound mind might do. Verse 7 says this, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. So your worship will be correct and accurate if you stay close to the word. If your worship is off, it's probably because your understanding of God is off. Your understanding is God is off is because you haven't read his word. Look at verse 11. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart. I put the word of God in my mind. Why? So I will not sin against you. So the word of God, in terms of applying discernment, keeps you from sinning. Have you washed your mind with the word of God? That will keep you from sinning, if you will. Look at verse 29. 
Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. When I learn God's law, when I learn or apply God's word, it keeps me from what? False ways. And this world is full of false ways, constantly feeding us false ways. The antidote to that, of course, is the word. Verse 30, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. What's that? That consistent following Christ, that way of faithfulness. How? By the word of God. This all is a description of the sound mind. Verse 32, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Talking about regeneration there and fully, wholeheartedly following after Christ. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end. You want to be one of those people who finishes strong? I do. I want to finish strong. How am I going to do that? Well, what's this verse say? If I simply understand God's word, I'll finish strong. Continuing, what's verse 37 say? Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. How do I do this? How do I know what's worthless? Well, keep an eye on the word, he says. You'll be able to distinguish worthless things from valuable things by filtering them through the word. Verse 45, and I, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. Wide and safe versus narrow and dangerous. I'll walk in a wide and safe place if I'll just understand your word. Friends, this is the application of a sound mind. Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction. Do you need comfort when you're going through tough times? Are you going through tough times? You need comfort. You know that. Where's that come from? A discerning mind will get it from the word. Verse 52, when I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort in them. There again, comfort offered to those going through difficulty. And then finally, verse 55, there's more, but we're going to just end close to where we're at. Verse 55, I remember your name in the night. Oh, Lord, and keep your law. I don't know about you, but what I need when I wake up at night is not my worries to fill my mind. I need the word of God to fill my mind. A discerning mind, a sound mind, naturally, because not naturally, supernaturally, is, is drawn to Christ and drawn to his word and drawn to the Holy Spirit. This is what the... the Sound mind does. This is the application of a sound mind. Good judgment, discernment comes from God's word. It's pleasing to God. That's what I mentioned in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Philippians uh, verse 1, verse 9 and 10. These things are so, these, this discernment, spiritual wisdom and understanding is so. Why? So that we'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in all things. So, as we close here, I want to just give you three categories that will benefit from someone exercising a sound mind. And we all live in these three categories or these three areas. First is the individual. You have to deal with yourself, the individual. 
And with discernment, from what you've heard this morning, you could determine with discernment comes obedience. Right? This is what <laughs> Paul said to the Colossians and the Philippians. This is what we've been hearing off and on throughout this sermon. If you have a discerning heart, a sound mind, guess what? It leads to obedience. What does obedience lead to, theologians? Blessing. Right? So the benefit to you is simple. If you will exercise a sound mind, you'll obey. If you'll obey, you'll be blessed. This impacts us all right where we are. The next category is the family. Let me give you a little marital help from Scripture. Those of you who might be challenged in this area, very few at Sun Valley are challenged in this area, but um, in case you're the very few that are, uh, let me read for you 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Likewise, husbands, that, was, that would be all you who thinks everything's okay in your, in your marriage. All right. Likewise, husbands, uh, live with your wives in an understanding way, if you have a sound mind, you'll live with your wife in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You want to improve your marriage? Honor your wife. And then this one, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Now I'm talking, I'm in the category of family here. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Here's a deal for you, struggling marriage. Do Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 for one month, and then let's talk again. Your, your marriage will improve drastically in one month. If you'll just... Do Philippians 2, verse 3. And you know, speaking of the family, the Proverbs are full of parenting helps. Applying discernment to your parenting and teaching discernment to your children is critical to developing Christ centered, God honoring, wise children. This comes from a sound mind. And then the final category is the church. We have the individual, the family, the church. How do we apply a sound mind to the church? Well, if you've ever been in a church without sound, sound minds, you know it. Listen to how Paul described the Roman church in Romans 15, 14. Paul said, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct or able to counsel, able to teach one another. Oh, to be a participant in a church like that where everybody is able to counsel, encourage, and teach and counsel each other. What a wonderful fellowship that would be. And it's possible. And to be honest, I, I love what's happening here at Sun Valley in that regard. We have so many people encouraging and helping, counseling, and teaching one another at every level of all these categories. And it is a joy to my heart. You see, the ability to apply sound, godly thinking, discernment 
to the issues that we face as individuals, as families, and as a church in our, in, in our community in which we live is critical to representing Christ as we should, bringing glory to God as we should, experiencing the joy of doing these things as we should. Friends, do you pursue discernment? If so, how are you doing it? Is it from God and his word? Do you understand the obligation we have? Do you understand the origination of this discernment? Are you applying what it means to have a sound mind? I've tried to show you here in the past few minutes the importance of possessing a sound mind, the place where you can get it, and the need for you to pursue it aggressively. I hope you'll do this. I hope the Spirit has grabbed hold of your mind and penetrated your heart with these wonderful truths.